Hello there, listener, and welcome to Fishnets and Philosophy. I am your host, Mix Bell Morgan, and I hope you'll join me on this journey of connection as we embark towards conversations that will be deep, meaningful, and insightful. So if that sounds like something you would enjoy, then sit back, put your headphones in, and let's get philosophical. And welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. I am your host, Mix Bell Morgan, and I am joined by the wonderful Kia, who owns Nudes by Kia. So, if you can introduce yourself, so what are your pronouns? How do you identify? And just kind of like jump in, like, what was your motivation for starting your business? Um, so, hi, I'm Kia. My pronouns are she, they. Um, and I'm a lesbian um, and to be honest News by Kia was kind of a big mistake because I just saw a video online of someone making earrings out of shrinkies so I bought some because I thought it'd be really cool because I was just making them out of charms and stuff at the time mm-hmm. um, and I just happened to have taken a really good nude that day so I just had it on my phone staring at me and I was like hmm, I wonder what that would look like on earrings um and then when it came out of the oven it looked really sick so I put it on my story and honestly that's how it started people just said oh my god you should sell these these look really cool so it was it was kind of a coincidence really well a happy coincidence at that I love about what your business is is that it really kind of is pushing that you know empowerment and body positivity and was that kind of like that is kind of the main message but like was that something that you've always been someone who's kind of like pushed that message or did you have like I guess a bit of a growth or a transformation into being someone who's body positive and encouraging that yeah so I mean definitely when I started uni I saw a kind of like shift in the kind of content I was like exposing myself to just because I started growing as a person when I like left home and moved away to somewhere a bit bigger Mm -hmm. um I I was I grew up in Cornwall which isn't like it's it's not great on the kind of like politics and like liberal side of things really it's um it was a lovely place to grow up as a child but it's yeah it's not massively liberal when I came away I kind of noticed that I was like growing as a person and I started kind of using my own Instagram page to share more and more about like feminism and LGBT issues and stuff and I more content and like growing more um and yeah I guess it's just kind of carried on and like ever since I started the business obviously I've become a lot more interested in it and started to like diversify like the content that I'm looking at and kind of like taking in I guess oh that's um, really cool and like I like you mentioned that where you grew up was like not the most liberal and stuff like that when it comes to like you you know you said that you're you know you identify as a lesbian was that something that was like a bit of like maybe an issue growing up where you were or was it more something that you kind of discovered about yourself later after you were able to kind of be more open well I I kind of realized myself when I was in school which is quite young and I got outed at school because I was was dating a girl at the time okay Um, and someone found out about it and outed me at school um and I got I took a lot of stick for it I like really took the brunt of like abuse because I was kind of like the first person in school really to be like openly gay right Um, and people just weren't used to it at all so I did get like a lot of abuse and stuff but like my inner circles were really really accepting and I'm so lucky to be able to say that but it was kind of like other people at school mostly Mm. boys being at me in the corridors and all sorts but yeah I've definitely used that to kind of grow and accept myself more and kind of I guess like this is my way of fighting back. I love that. And I think that's uh, when you say about fighting back, like I think that's definitely when it comes to being someone who's openly queer, like the whole thing about, you know, pride, pride is both a celebration, but it's also a protest. Like, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it is. That's how it started with Stonewall of riot, (laughs) you know? So I think like you're saying your way of fighting back, like it's, it is that thing. I think it's very uniquely, I guess, 
queer experience, like whether it's gay man, lesbian, non-binary, trans, it is that thing of you visibly are yourself because yeah. it's your way of kind of like fighting back against like society, which says, no, no, you shouldn't be here. And it's like, well, no, fuck you. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here yeah. and I'm queer. <laughs> Brilliant. Because I loved your kind of response at the time as well. But I remember like seeing a post on your page where like on your Insta page, where one of the customers who had the earrings, like kind of, they put up a picture of the earrings and they were just like, I can't decide if having my nudes on earrings is body positive or vanity. And your response was just perfect. Like kind of going, can't it be both? And I was just yeah. like, I want to know your thoughts on that. Like, do you think that like, because like, it's something I think about a lot as well. Like, do you think that accusations of vanity when they get thrown about, and I think it's something that happens a lot, particularly in like the UK, but definitely here in Ireland as well, like and from an Irish perspective, but it's that thing of like, if you like into yourself in the sense that if you're kind of like, you know, you look good and you kind of push that and you're like, yeah, I look good. People accuse you of being vain and full of yourself and stuff like that. So I'm wondering, like, what do you think on that? Do you think that when people accuse someone of being vain, it's their kind of way of trying to control someone else's self-expression or self-love almost? I think like when people demonize um, like vanity because vanity is good for the soul it like loving yourself is is good for the soul 100% I back that and I think when people demonize that it's kind of like pushing that agenda of like you have to be this certain thing and you can't mm. just love yourself for the way you are you have to constantly be working on yourself and I think that definitely like pushes that agenda our whole society is obsessed with like trying to make us feel insecure so I think people have depth that is so deep rooted in people that they feel like they mm -hmm. need to define people who actually do just genuinely love themselves 100% and like there's it's just like so much of it really comes down to like the social conditioning that we get and like it's Definitely. it's 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 interesting like uh there's that like one element of that like you're not a, like you know trying to like almost encourage insecurity as in teaching you to kind of find something that you don't like about yourself but then similarly linked to it and it's something I actually talked about on a different podcast episode I recorded but it's there's also so much shame attached to your body particularly your sexual body but it's like it's like oh, you've got it's almost like the worst side of yin and yang and two sides of a terrible coin yeah. in the sense that one side I don't know, you're not allowed to like yourself or love yourself. And then on the other side, if you do love yourself, you have to feel shame for loving yourself. It's just like, you can't yeah. win. It's so tricky. But I'm just like, wonder what your kind of thoughts on that. Like, because I love that what your business is kind of pushing is it's that accept yourself. You don't have to be like, you know, you don't have to be ashamed of your body. Like, you know, your body is beautiful. So I'm like yeah. wondering, like for you yourself, like is like, the idea of kind of shame is that something that you would deliberately try and I guess dismantle through the business that you're doing like to try and stop people having shame with their bodies yeah, definitely I get a lot of messages from people saying oh I really want to like buy a t-shirt or something but I'm not quite confident yet which mm -hmm. like I can kind of understand because we are conditioned in society to feel like that and I think I've got quite a lot of people who are like that because it's like celebrating your own nudes and like putting them on a t-shirt or a pair of earrings is like a very new concept to people because nobody else has done it before. A couple of people sell like illustrations and stuff, but this whole yeah. idea of like literally wearing it out into public is so new to people. Um, and I think a lot of people are still kind of like, oh my God, people actually do that. But um, we're, it's definitely something like we're trying to break down as a business because it's so important to me that people don't feel shame around their bodies. Um, and I'm so lucky because like all of the girls that I live with, I live in a uni house of seven and all of the girls I live with, we're so open about like sexuality and masturbation and like just all this kind of stuff. Like we send each other up, like our nudes to hype each other up. It's ridiculous, but I love it. Yeah, <laughs> that just don't feel comfortable enough to do that. And I just think like it's a whole nother world of like self-love and just like it's so good for the soul to be like that. Oh, 100%. And my kind of feelings on it, like I'd like to know what you kind of think as well. And um, where I kind of approach it is that I think the reason there is like so much shame and insecurity about our bodies is because of the fact that society has taught us to basically equate 
being naked with being sexual, as in yeah. the naked body is the sexual body, which isn't the case. The naked body is only sexual when you have that intention. The rest of the time, it's just your naked body. And like, I think I feel quite like lucky in the sense that I was raised like by going to naturist and nudist beaches with my family and my grandparents and stuff like that. So yeah. like being naked is completely fine. And doing like, you know, going to the beach, having your picnic, doing all that stuff while naked with your family, completely fine because it's not sexual. So I, I think I was lucky in the sense that I grew up not having that kind of connection of the, like, yeah. you know, I've never felt shame about my body in the sense that I was just like, yeah, my naked body is my naked body. It's fine. Has there been, you know, I've definitely like everyone kind of like had parts of my body that I was like, oh, I'm not really sure if I love that much as like the rest of my body. Yeah. And I think everyone gets those problems, but I've never had that shame. And I wonder like if you think the same, if that's the reason that people do have shame is because society has told us that the naked body is always sexual. Like, do you think that's where a lot of shame comes from? 100% and like things like the like all of the um like censorship and stuff on Instagram like these different like guidelines and stuff is saying like you can't put up pictures if it's if it's showing a certain amount of skin like I've had so many TikToks taken down because it had the word nude in it or it had like literally a drawing of a pair of boobs on it and it gets taken down for community guidelines and I think that's just like reinforcing this oh my god like we shouldn't show naked people online because it's really inappropriate but we all have bodies that underneath clothes are completely naked and we see them every day so why is it any different and I follow this really really good Instagram account um she's called nude yoga girl and she just like goes and takes pictures of herself doing yoga in like like snow with like deer behind her and so she lives the most amazing life but all of her posts keep getting taken down just because she's naked and she's not showing like her boobs yeah. or anything it's literally just like her bum and like the back of her and stuff but they keep getting taken down and it just it like reinforces the idea that anytime we're naked we're trying to be sexual but I don't want to be sexualized when I'm not trying to be yeah, no, 100%. And I think it comes back to the age old problem of we live in a patriarchal, toxic, you know, masculinity yeah. society, like everything comes back to the same issues. But yes, it comes back like it's just really is that problem is the sense that people forget that, you know, sex and sexuality, it requires intention, as in, you are being sexual when you have that intention otherwise you're not being sexual people are being sexualized without their consent by other people particularly by cisgender men <laughs> in yeah. the sense that they're kind of like oh yeah everyone i want to you know you're that's all you are there for is for <laughs> for my sexual pleasure it's like no that's not how it works i think like uh, what we need is obviously a radical shift in society how that happens, I don't know. But the question that I kind of specifically right, kind of wrote down was like, how do you think we have that radical shift in society when it comes to like body positivity and body acceptance? Do you think like it starts with say industries and business driving the change or is it more like it comes from individuals kind of having that change internally or would you say it's like a combination of both do we both need to see kind of like particularly like say the fashion industry and those type of industries pushing the change or like do we need them at the forefront or is it more people individually and then obviously intrapersonally within your wider social groups kind of having those conversations and changes like where do you think it starts <laughs> I think to be honest, I think industries like the fashion industry and the beauty industry are definitely the ones who started it because um, they're the ones who have the most influence. Realistically, one yes. individual person can only have so much influence. Um, and obviously we're like, as we're the ones who push it, but I think the, the sort of industries are the ones who started it. And I think we've got to a point where there's probably only so much they can do and only so many times they can say oh here's self-love and here's this and that um but it all just feels really empty mm. um, it all just kind of feels like oh here's here's my business and I'm just kind of like putting it on as a show so people don't like penalize me or say that we're not doing enough and I mm -hmm. think without that like genuine deep connection behind it it's not going to change yes no 100% I completely agree there and yes tr true in that sense that the, like these industries fashion beauty industry but just like in general because we are in a capitalist society 
unfortunately, that means that so much of change has to come from businesses and stuff like that. Like, has to come from industry. So, particularly when you when you're talking about like like knowing that a company kind of has that care behind them. Like, uh, how do you think we're going to get to a place of more, particularly mainstream companies, kind of approaching degendering of fashion because like there are small like kind of like businesses like particularly queer owned businesses like your own that are like on the clothing side of things like there's this beautiful company that i've seen that are actually from america called your body co which is literally just about gender neutral like lingerie and stuff like that and so it's great to see that but again it's small businesses like how do you think we get to the point where big fashion names big fashion brands are going to agree with degendering fashion like how do you think we get there I think to be honest a lot of it is to do with the diversity of like the management of these companies Mm -hmm. so I I work in the advertising industry which is obviously one of the major drivers of (laughs) things that happen in society (laughs) yeah massive influence and 90 I think it's 97 percent of management in the advertising industry so like the top dogs at the top of the agencies are men white men um and realistically nothing's going to change if it's if it's the same people churning out the same stuff all the time and I think lots of brands need to diversify yeah the staff that are working within them but also the staff who are getting up to management level because realistically staff on the bottom level only have so much influence and it can only kind of like suggest ideas and try and like prompt the management to do more about it but the management are the ones who make the final ideas and it's so easy to just sit comfortably in this place that we've been for years mm-hmm. and not do anything outside of the box just in case people cancel the business or people don't agree with it like the Sainsbury's advert with the black family where mm-hmm. I've yeah just like the the backlash that they got from that I think that scares a lot of companies away from making change and I think maybe if there was more diversity at the top there would be more of a a like driver to do those things and like it doesn't matter what people say we need to do it for the greater good it really is comes down to that it it is as you said it's people who are at the top in this like as in you can you can see it so much with a lot of companies and like it can either be companies but also like in say like hollywood or like you know the kind of entertainment industry but it's the same thing across the board where it's like they'll put their diverse people to the front in the saying like, oh, we're now diverse because look at this one person that we have, whereas behind that one token diverse hire, the rest of the structure is still white mayonnaise all the way up to the top. And it's just white straight mayonnaise as well. And it's just, it's true. Like it's just, we need to have that diversity all the way through. And you know, you can always tell when like you see like as you said like you're working in advertising you can tell which companies clearly don't have any diversity on their advertising teams based on what ads come out like I think I remember it from it was like maybe it was recently enough I think but there was that one H&M ad where like they had little kids in the different clothes and they had the one black kid as a monkey and you're just like how does that get like how does that like but even the fact that like one thing you know that there is clearly no people of color on that hiring team but the simple fact not even any of the white people even had the ability to question and kind of go is this okay yeah but it's just that's the problem is like that's we know what needs to drive the change it's how we get there and that problem is that it is true white privilege institutional racism like people of color and then queer people have to effectively fly to get somewhere that a straight white person can walk to like there's so much hurdles in place and speaking of hurdles and you actually kind of touched on it when you said that you're you know you're constantly having like kind of tiktoks taken down and that obviously hampers your business one of the questions i kind of had which is something that i don't like i know nothing about the business world like i'm like a complete consumer i know nothing about the workings of it but like as a small business owner have you noticed any obstacles like in your way particularly as you are like a queer business and a queer person or has it kind of gotten to a place where that no longer happens like there's no longer those barriers um I mean 
I don't really know to be fair. <laughs> I think like being a queer business has definitely opened us up to like a queer market because mm-hmm. I think if this business came from someone who was straight and cis I think the queer kind of like community wouldn't be so comfortable buying from it because I think mm. I'd, I feel like as a queer person I'd be more comfortable buying something like this that is so like not exposing but that kind of thing from someone who is straight and cis and doesn't like understand my experiences or what like comes with that yeah no I get that it's like almost like it's that thing of like as you said it's like when you know it's not coming from a place of authenticity or genuineness like you kind of feel like you're just kind of using us you're using our community in the same like you we notice it a lot with I myself have never actually been to a pride parade because I didn't really I didn't accept my queerness and I didn't even know like embrace myself as someone who's non-binary until halfway through the pandemic so um I've never been to a pride parade because I kind of even though since I was kind of like maybe 15 I always kind of was like knew I was bisexual but I never really wore that proudly it was kind of just something that was like yeah, I know I'm also into guys, but I never really questioned it or pushed it further. So I never really thought Pride was somewhere I was welcome. Yeah. So I've never been to Pride parades, but I know from all my queer friends that so many Pride parades across the world, they have that seedy capitalist element in the sense that there are companies, particularly alcohol companies, which is another big problem. Yeah, But it's that thing of like, for one day or one week we'll plaster rainbow flags everywhere and kind of be like we accept you and we see you when really they don't they're just like we want your money in this particular week so we're going to pretend to be super accepting and yeah it's that thing of like you can tell when a company is genuine and authentic in the sense that I'm going to buy from this company because they are a queer owned company and they're visibly queer. So I know that my money is going to the community that I want to support. Same as supporting black owned businesses. Like it's that thing of like, you know, it's authentic. And I think particularly when you're queer, you can tell when the, if there is no authenticity, you can tell it's literally just taking advantage of our struggle or our stories. And linking into that above question, there's another one that I kind of had, so when you're a business that kind of like pushes for body positivity and body and acceptance of our beautiful bodies, but linking back to what we already said, like when social media platforms bring in these kind of draconian and moralistic laws about what's acceptable, how harmful is that to you as a business? Like, is that damaging? Like in the sense of that, does that prevent you from being able to actually get customers when that happens? Yeah, I mean... As soon as I write the word nudes on anything, usually it kind of, we get like shadow banned or like particularly on TikTok, um, Mm. things get taken down. Um, As well as we can't, um, if you actually Google us, you can't find us by searching our name into Google because it has the word nudes in the name. Um, So there's just all these kind of like barriers. And all we're trying to do is help people love their bodies and to be accepting of themselves. And we're not doing anything bad but we're being demonized just because it's that kind of area and that industry of like sexual liberation and like loving yourself and and like naked bodies which is perceived as as sexual exactly it's so like problematic and we know why they're doing it in the sense that all these companies these social media companies they're so vocally anti-sex work And they therefore equate any form of sex positivity, sexual like enthusiasm. They just lump it all in, which is just so frustrating because you can have non-sex work businesses, sex work, like just general sex educators who are also getting impacted. Now, in general, it should all be sex work is grand once, like, you know, everyone is kind of consenting to it because sex work is work. Um, And like, do you think one of the reasons why there's so much shame when it comes to body positivity, particularly when it comes to sex work, is the, you know, still the demonization of like sex work? Like, do you think all other forms of physical labor that can lead to physical harm are considered, yeah, that's perfectly fine. But once sex comes into it, it's like society's 
no, 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 that's not, that's not acceptable. Like, and do you think that's kind of like another reason why there's so much body negativity and sex negativity in society because of the demonization of open, pleasurable sex and sexuality and sex work? Like, do you think that's probably one of the reasons why there is still so much shame and negativity? 100%. And I kind of see all of this stuff like, Obviously, OnlyFans has kind of got a lot more popular over the pandemic from what I've seen. But everyone's kind of saying, oh, don't start it if you if you want to get a proper job afterwards or like just make sure you're being really careful of who sees it and stuff like that. And I just think it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be that you're penalized from getting your dream job just because you haven't OnlyFans five years ago. It just it's definitely demonizing this like sexual like sexuality and like expressing yourself and owning your own body and I think it's like I was talking to a load of girls the other day and I think we all know someone who got like her nudes leaked in school or someone who got their nudes leaked in school but it was always the person in the photo that was penalized or like threatened to be expelled or suspended um and I think it's the same kind of thing that if you like but yeah I think it's just demonizing owning your own sexuality and kind of like taking control of that is a part of it's all the same kind of thing yeah no definitely and I think you're like you're so one thing it's it is such a systemic issue and problem the leaking of nudes the fact that that even occurs is and the victim blaming but yes i think it is rooted in a sense that to say even when it comes only fans or other forms of sex work a man is allowed to have an only fans be a porn star even be like a male escort and all that because man is sex that's what men do sex is what men do but like the second that a woman is openly sexual and owns like you know embraces their body and loves their body that's all of a sudden the problem and it really comes down to that that division of women aren't allowed to be sexual unless for procreation or even like femme folks in general like non-binary and people that are femme as well it's that thing of like vagina vulva owners they cannot be sexual unless it's for procreation which is just so so like problematic (laughs) and it's like one of those things where it feels like talking in circles it's just like how do we get to a place where we have that shift I want to be hopeful and say yeah I think we'll get there someday but it's just like you just see more and more things every day just kind of like indicate that something is it's no change is happening and I actually there's something I saw you actually share on your Instagram story today which if you could talk about a bit more about it because I hadn't actually heard about it but you said there was like something about the upcoming date of the 24th of April for like yeah yeah, can you talk a bit about that because I hadn't heard about it before and it was like okay that's insane (laughs) but (laughs) yeah so uh there's kind of been this trend recently where um particularly white straight men on um, platforms like TikTok are talking about this date of the 24th of April and they've called it National Rape Day. So it's basically essentially a competition of how many women you can sexually assault or rape in a day. And you just think, how can someone be in the mindset of wanting to do that and and think that's okay and think it's cool for other people to do it and want to take part in that. And it's um, particularly in universities, it's um, becoming a really big problem and lots of lots of people are really, really scared about it. Um, and I've like been talking to all of my housemates today saying like, don't go out on the weekend, just keep yourself safe. Like I want to know where everyone is, but we shouldn't have to put our lives on hold or our whole weekend on hold just because we're afraid of going out and being sexually assaulted because it's like a trend and it's kind of started because it's these group of like boys who blame women for not having lost their virginity and they think oh women are too frigid to this to that but we're being demonized for for being sexual anyway so it's just really conflicting and it's kind of like that men feel like they have to have control over women and their sexuality and it's just another part of that and it's really, really scary. Oh, one hundred percent. Like I didn't even know the extent of it. I just saw a brief snippet of it. And yeah. Okay. Just okay. I just like, <laughs> have no words. That is just absolutely yeah. abhorrent. Yes. Like you just have to 
question like how and like even if it's like and the thing is like you see it so many times with like when things are like that are said on the internet you'll see it's like oh it's just trolling and it's just like even if it is just trolling the fact that someone can think it's okay to say anything like that is just so worrying about like the state of these people's mental lives like the fact that they think it's okay and you're right like about he said it's like these men like it's really this kind of like incel behavior like of like i just i just hate that term like in involuntary celibate no one owes you sex you arsehole like (laughs) it's just like (laughs) there's even a name for it it's just it just oh. shows how much of a problem it is. Exactly. And it, but it's like you were saying, though, is in it's like they both like kind of want to control, like they're like demonizing women for not being sexual, but then they also demonize them for being sexual. And it kind of yeah. comes back to this thing, which again, toxic masculinity, patriarchy, our favorite two problems. <laughs> but um, it comes back to this thing that a lot of straight men have is the whole madonna whore complex in the sense that for your ideal partner is both the most sexually liberal kinky woman who will do everything in the bed that you want but has also never had sex or been tainted by anyone else and originally socialized as a man and now like a non-binary like person a non-binary penis owner person i never kind of had that experience but i'm just like it, it must like genuinely it must kind of feel for like for women just like where do you win like, it does like yeah. it's just like where just, like how do like, you what, what do you want us to do it's too like conflicting exactly what do you want women to do like how do you win um I but think, like, that's yeah men go ahead. want to like insert themselves into every sexual situation to do with a woman so even like as a lesbian I get all the time oh I can turn you or oh you'd have fun with me like as if as if I haven't spent 16 years of my life dating men thinking this is not right for me like I like I'm completely and utterly in love and only with women and like non-binary people and you just think like why do you have to be a part of every single sexual situation and even the fact that like a lot of the men like that I've like you hear about watch lesbian porn why do they want to be involved in every situation because like as a lesbian men are just not even on my radar but they want to try so hard to be a part of that because it's the only place that they're not a part of exactly and like that's another like as you say that thing about lesbian porn and it's just like oddly enough or not oddly enough I guess maybe but like that's the one like genre of porn I've like never been able to like I've never found any enjoyment from it and I think the reason why is because of all the genres of porn, it's the one that is solely from the male gaze. Like, 100%. like, like, even like, yes, like, kind of like the heterosexual porn is as well, but it's almost a step removed in the sense there is a penis in the scene. So, like, there's a lot of like straight men where, like, you know, they're saying they're straight by refusing to like. I, they're probably questioning but um, yeah. there's this thing of like oh, I can't watch anything that has a penis in it because like that will make me somewhat gay and it's like yeah. one thing that's not how it works but also <laughs> it's just I think for myself that was probably one of the indicators that I've never really felt like a man because that was so male gazy <laughs> and it just always made like I was just like I just yes women are beautiful they i think women are so beautiful but this is just not like yeah it's just not like (laughs) doing anything and you're so right about the fact that cis straight men try to insert themselves into everything and it's another thing that you yourself kind of experience and oh we can turn you and stuff like that but it's also the other thing like that bisexual women and bisexual femmes experience in the sense that they're seen as like so desirable by men because they also hook up with women for the sake of that man's pleasure and it's something that um because I myself am polyamorous so it's something that I encounter a lot is yeah the couples that do the whole unicorn hunting thing which is yeah mind-boggling 
only far too many like lesbians who are on Tinder or whatever. And half of the th- half of the people that come up on their page are straight couples looking for someone to have a threesome with, which is just I just <laughs> it's just completely not the point, and it's not what you're there for. Or it's guys who have set their like their gender as female just so they can find lesbians to have sex with, as if oh. <laughs> that literally completely de- defeats the point of being a lesbian. Oh no, that's just so like. What? Like, God, why? Like, it's just like every day it just seems that there's another thing that I'm just like, God, are the straight men okay? Because I don't think they are. But it's just another thing about, like, on the topic of the straights, like, which you'll probably, you'll be well familiar with because of TikTok. But how, like, where, like, how do you think this whole thing of the super straights even came into and things? Like, it's the most perplexing thing oh. ever. And it like I just don't understand. Like it's it's almost the same level of like the incels. It's probably the yeah. exact same people, but it's just they want to be like so vocal about I would never be attracted to you or I'd never fuck a trans person. And it's just like, do you think we want to do anything with you? Like it's yeah, just honestly. <laughs> And you just think like how fragile do you have to be to to want to make sure that every single person knows that you wouldn't even fuck a trans person because you are so straight and you're so fragile and it's just like this fragile masculinity popping up again yeah it's just like so perplexing and like the thing is like that I think a lot of the people who are identifying as super like this is like you can't even say it without laughing but I think a lot of those people don't even realize that the whole super straight thing started on a Nazi Reddit thread. Like it's literally, oh that's why it's like, it's literally SS. <laughs> yeah. No, like um, there's a, a friend of mine has this brilliant YouTube channel called the liberal cook. Yeah. Honestly, I highly recommend it. Their videos are just so, they're another kind of gender queer person yeah. and their videos are just so fun. But they did this segment talking about the rise of alt-right and the super straights and stuff like that. It was really informative, but it literally said how they literally started on a white supremacist Nazi thread, as in they were talking about we're white and proud white supremacy and the ideal white man would never be attracted to a trans. Like, it's just completely perplexing and balderdash. But yeah. it's actually, it's probably something that actually you would probably have a perspective on because you're in the UK right now. Something that, like, I'm acutely aware of because it's right next door to me because I'm in Ireland. But the it just seems that almost every week there is more and more transphobic laws being either put into power or proposed in the UK. So for you as a queer person, like you're you know, a lesbian queer person, but like just as being part of the queer community, what's the atmosphere like in the UK right now within the wider community because of these transphobic laws? I mean, I think it's definitely like a thing of shame. I think the more laws that are put into place, the more people who maybe were contemplating coming out or had finally become comfortable with their sexuality or their gender feel like they can't anymore because they feel like people don't understand it or they will be sort of um, oppressed under certain laws. And I think it's definitely stopping people from kind of coming out as their true self and feeling comfortable in their identity, which is really, really sad. Like, it's kind of scary. And like the thing is, as well, is that I think the reason it started is because of the way the media has literally just been pushing transphobia. And what's worrying is we're seeing a lot of that come across the aisle to here in Ireland. And it's kind of, there's this sense of like, particularly for like the trans and non-binary community here in Ireland, is this sense of, it's leeching over like we're trying to do everything to stop it and it's scary at the moment and it just seems like it's the one thing that well there's many things that society has not fixed but it feels like when it comes to queerness it's the one area of queerness that for some reason society is just not budging on they're not yeah it feels like which is well coming back I guess to what you kind of said earlier about kind of like you know, embracing yourself as a lesbian woman and a queer person was kind of like your way of kind of like striking back. I myself and like I think a lot of trans and gender non-conforming people are doing is that like 
it's almost like this is kind of like it feels like we're at like I don't know the calm before the storm like in the sense that it's like we either have two options we can give in and allow these laws to come into place and allow the mainstream cis heteronormative society to win or we can push back and just visibly be ourselves despite what's happening like that's what I think a lot of people that's what I'm trying to do and I guess I'm privileged in that sense that I am also white so I have less danger because at the moment black trans women particularly in America but really everywhere are the victims of so much violence and harm and like even the fact that I know in a lot of countries, I have to do specific research to find which countries, but I know there are still a lot of countries that still have gay and trans panic laws. Like, I was um, was actually talking to someone about it the other day. And Mm. I think a lot of people have become very complacent with especially sort of like the LGBT community because they think, oh, there's not as many hate crimes going on, not as many things that are happening visibly in public. But a lot of it is kind of like sneaked into laws that most people wouldn't notice or it's all gone mm-hmm. online. So a lot of a lot of it is kind of like really awful messages. Like I get them in my DMs sometimes. But because we're not visibly being beaten up on the street as much as maybe like in the 80s or the 90s, people don't think it's an issue anymore and they've become very complacent about it. But like doing the census the other day that like the sex and the gender options on it were just not were just not up to scratch and it's something so easy to fix but people who aren't affected by that wouldn't notice it and they've become really complacent it's either option a what you're saying it's this complacency thing that they're not aware of it or option b it's more insidious and it's this deliberate choice by people in power to not allow that option to exist to try and prove that there are not as many like as in they want the trans community, they want non-binary people, gender non-conforming people. They want us to be still viewed as abnormal, as in where there's not that many of us. We're just freaks of nature rather than there's actually a lot more of us out there. You're just not giving us the safety to be seen. I think like what's great, like for me, what I love um, about, because like I'm a dual citizenship, both Irish, also Canadian. And on my Canadian side of things, it's really progressive in the sense that I haven't done it yet, but at least I know I can, is that you can change with like your records to say that your gender identity is X, like for non-binary. It's not just man and woman. So you can legally be recognized as non-binary in Canada. And you don't have to do any kind of like gender assessments or anything like that. It's literally just say, this is what I want. And boom, it's done. But then on the flip side, that doesn't exist here in Ireland. There's no recognition for non-binary people. And like, do you know what it is in the UK? Do you think, is there any legal recognition or was there and it's now been repealed? Like, Do you know what it's like Um, in the UK? So you can't legally recognise as anything other than male and female, like on your past. Right. Um, And I've seen like in the past, uh, I don't know if you know Jamie Windus, like a non-binary kind of like activist and create really, really like their page. And um, it was like two years ago, they did a massive campaign to try and get non-binary onto people's passports. And it's such, such an easy change, but they just got so much backlash and it just never went ahead. And it, you just think it's literally just printing words on a passport and it means so much to so many people but it's just that kind of like trying to erase those people from society 100% and I think like a a part of that problem it comes back again to the way we're socialized to think about gender and sex is in so many people who don't know any better or just are refusing to do the work equate yeah sex and gender as in they'll I always like like you know I get red flags like sirens in my head whenever I hear someone describe say like male and female to describe men and women because I'm just like oh god you don't know anything this person should not be trusted they are not safe (laughs) it's just like I just yeah it's an automatic red flag but it is that thing of so many people still equate sex and gender as the exact same thing which is 
completely not the case. And even in like I work in the insurance and financial industry, like any company I've worked for on all their systems, it literally they have it down as male and female, like not even man and woman. So I wouldn't even expect an outdated old industry like the insurance industry to be inclusive, to have like an option for non-binary. But the fact that it's still just male and female, not even man and woman, it's just, it comes back to that biological essentialism. And like, I wonder what you think on it. Like, um, I think a reason that there is so much body negativity and sex negativity is because so much of the way society treats the body is down to biological essentialism, as in the body has to be a certain way for it to be an acceptable body. Do you think that's the reason why there's a lot of body negativity and sex negativity as well? Yeah, 100%. And like, obviously, kind of realizing my queer identity and being exposed more to the queer community, you realize Mm just how much I was kind of like oppressing my own like body and like self-identity to Mm. fit in with other people and there's so many options like even exploring my gender more I you don't think about that until you're in a community that does that and then you feel like there's more options and there's more acceptance to do that. 100% and I think like what you kind of said there is really true is that it's it is like it kind of links back to like what Judith Butler said in her like their famous book, Gender Trouble. That was the name of the book. But Judith Butler kind of said gender is performative, which I think is so true. And you're right about that thing, is like it depends on like the context and the community th- that you're in. Like yeah. if you're in a majority straight heterosexual community, then you're not really gonna have that freedom to kind of question those parts of yourself you're going to kind of be like oh well this is what I am Uh, and also as well I think you probably have that experience as a lesbian woman something that a lot of lesbian women experience is compulsory heterosexuality that like you know that problem of like oh well of course I'm straight (laughs) you know I, I can't be like anything else I'm straight it's something that you're almost like forced into and yeah it really comes down to I think once you step into a different community or you just remove yourself from social situations altogether, that's really when it becomes possible to question and kind of like be like, huh, how much of me was really me and how much of it was a mask that I put on? That was at least the experience for myself. Like as in it took the pandemic and no longer socializing for me to be like, I don't think I'm a man. <laughs> I know so many people like that. And I think one of the biggest problems is that cisgender and heterosexuality is viewed almost as like a default. And you kind of hear mm. people say, oh, they're too young to realize they're gay or they're too young to think that they're this or that or think that they're the opposite gender. And you just think, why do we have to be cisgender and straight until we're kind of like a certain age and then we can maybe decide, but like, make sure that you don't say the wrong thing because then people might dub you as, and it's just like, why does there have to be a default? And then all of a sudden, once we step out of that, we're something different because it's always the same person the whole time. And if, if society had been more kind of, I'd been more exposed to like lesbians and stuff, maybe I would have realized a lot sooner. 100 percent and you said some great things there like i both love the you know i've always been me it's just what was around me kind of stopped me from seeing that like and i think that was definitely what i experienced as in i'm still me like i'm still tig i'm still or bell is my name on this but tig is my real name but like i'm still me like i've always been me i'm just more me than i ever have been and the other thing you kind of said so this kind of we kind of touched on it earlier but actually we did kind of mostly go into it but it's like uh want to maybe kind of go more expansion into it like this kind of part of me that always like wonders um our connection to our bodies and our acceptance of different bodies like um do you think the reason that we do have this kind of almost negative relationship or with our bodies and definitely kind of almost the net like 
as in that type of body isn't acceptable. Do you think the reason that society and people kind of have those thoughts is because we can't be openly sexual, like in the sense that sex is something that, oh, no, no, you're not allowed to talk about that. That's only for behind closed doors. You don't talk about that outside of the bedroom. Yeah. Like, do you think that's one of the reasons why we do have a lot of social negativity when it comes to accepting different bodies and... Yeah, do you think it's because we can't actually be openly sexual? Yeah, 100%. And I think like a lot of it is what you're exposed to as well. Because, you know, um, that program Naked Attraction, such a strange concept for a program. But I was kind of like, I was talking to my housemates about it. Um, And it's kind of like different types of bodies and like different types of like vulvas and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of them were saying, oh, it made me feel better about like my own because I saw other people who looked like me. And Mm. you kind of realize that when you walk around town and you see billboards or you see stuff online and you see models online, you don't see people who look like you, which makes you feel body. I think that's one of the things I um, that. I really like about TikTok as well because I think my like feed is really very much like fine-tuned to like lots of like lesbian content and like queer content and lots of like body positivity and like sexual empowerment and stuff and it's definitely made me love my body more um, mm. seeing other people who are like that loving their bodies and I think that's kind of like part of what I want my business to do as well. I love that idea. Like it is, and you're true. It really comes down to what we're exposed to. And um, this is one of the things that I'll probably be like mentioning on every episode of the podcast that I do. But um, like, I absolutely love Make Love Not Porn, which yeah. is this, it's an amazing company for anyone who doesn't know what it is. It's basically started by this amazing powerhouse of a woman, Cindy Gallup. And basically the entire thing is we live in a society where social beings, we socialize and talk about everything except sex. That's the one yeah. thing that we can't share. We can't be open about that. That's supposed to be private. And what Cindy is pushing for is a social sex revolution to be able to be more open and be more sexual. And I think it really comes down to what you're exposed to. And that's, I think, something that Make Love Not Porn is pushing. And that's why I upload my own masturbation on there and if I ever eventually have a partner that also wants to share who knows but at the moment it's my own self-pleasure but that's one of the reasons why I share it is that like I'm a non-binary person I have a penis but I'm a non-binary person and my masturbation is a particularly unique masturbation to me but at least if I upload that and share that someone else who might be questioning their gender identity who also is a penis owner can kind of be like oh I can still be sexual you know with my own body and like that's kind of what like it's about exposure like being able to see other people like you and that's so important and I think like that almost comes down to like lessen the sexual side of things but just general representation as in that's so important I think like I love that that's something that your business is kind of doing and that you're like encouraging people to love their bodies so other people are seeing that there's other bodies like theirs and that's great but like that's what it really is down to representation in the sense that the reason that I felt I was able to start stepping into myself more was because I saw Jonathan Van Ness on Queer Eye. I saw this flamboyant man dressing femme, strutting in heels. And I was just like, that's something that I can do. And then yeah. I realized that they're actually non-binary as well. So that it was oh, really, oh, just, <laughs> it's like, just, so it's, JVN is just fantastic. And I yeah. actually read um, the book, like his yeah, autobiography. Oh, it it was, it was so like good. really good it was there was a lot of trauma in JVN's mm. life that I didn't realize so it was really kind of eye-opening because all yeah. you see is that poppy kind of like flamboyant version on Queer Eye and it was like a really kind of like more vulnerable was really beautiful book I really um, wasn't expecting it at all actually one of the things that's in that book which I think like it was really refreshing to see and I think we're starting to see it more in society but he was like open about being HIV like having HIV and he talked mm. about dealing with that and it's like I think did you um watch It's a Sin yeah yeah oh that show oh it was such a good program oh 100 oh like there was so much to like <laughs> it was like both of 
beautiful but also incredibly traumatic <laughs> and painful yeah. show but a brilliant show but it's really kind of refreshing to kind of like the way that gay men were treated back then or the queer community at large but particularly gay men because they were the ones mostly affected but the way they were treated just purely because of being gay the fact that we moved to a more place where HIV like someone can have a healthy long life with HIV like you can have you can have HIV but once your viral load is zero it means that you can't pass it on and I think it's great to know that we're at that place but I think society hasn't really caught up in the sense that there's still a lot of vilifying of HIV and of gay men like in Ireland I don't know about the UK but in Ireland if you're a man who has or really a penis owner but if you're someone who has sex with men you can't donate blood yeah it's uh, (sighs) laws over here that are restrictive in Ireland it used to be ever like once you've had sex with a man ever you can't donate blood I think they've changed it that you can't have had sex within the last 12 months like which is still like so perplexing we like we know that it can't also as well you would know 100% like if someone had something that can be passed on anyway so it's just it's literally just vilifying the community for no reason at all but yeah so yeah do with that also how nobody knows about what happened I knew nothing of the extent of what happened until I watched that program um because you're not taught about stuff like that in school and it's just scared of of like the queer community and the fact that people didn't know about such a huge like epidemic um that happened and killed so many people it's just perplexing 100% like I think that was the great thing about like because that is I think something that we as the queer community at large kind of almost have to do for ourselves because you're right it's not taught in schools so we need to learn our own history and I think we do a disservice to our ancestors in the queer community if we don't learn the history like the fact that there still are people in the queer community who don't even acknowledge that the reason that we even have rights is because of trans people at the Stonewall riots. The trans community has always been in the same side as the gay and lesbian community. And the fact that now we're almost at a point where the gay and lesbian community, because they've mostly been accepted. And I, I, I know I'm generalizing, so I, I don't want to like, you know, tarnish everyone as the same thing because it's not the case. But it is there is like this element of, a lot of kind of cisgender gay men and cisgender lesbian women who are like we've mostly been accepted by society in the sense that we can now get married and stuff like that so it's like there's this fork in the road in the sense that there's we either conform to what the rest of norm of society wants and push our trans sisters and brothers and non-binary babes <laughs> to the side or we also advocate for them and like what do you like what do you think on that as like being like a lesbian but also just kind of part of the queer community at large that type of infighting and divisiveness that happens within the queer community like it feels so frustrating like the straights already have it in for us and we don't need to do it to ourselves <laughs> Yeah, I think there's definitely, and even with like bi erasure and stuff like that, and mm. like, um, I think particularly homosexual uh, cis people do tend to have, it kind of like has two sides to the, like the group. Mm-hmm. Like, like I am obviously very like, in, like involved with like, I mean, I'm questioning gender and stuff as well, but there's that kind of like these two sides and you see these people who are, like, you know, people say like Ellen DeGeneres is a lesbian, but she also kind of has homophobic vibes. And I think there's kind of like this other side to the community where people are like turning in on their own community. But it's like people who like, like our ancestors who got us to the place we are, were trans. So how can you possibly turn in on trans people when you're kind of like finally at a point where you can get married and stuff like that? I just like, I don't understand that mindset it is just it's perplexing that's what it is and I think 
I wonder what you think as well. I think it kind of comes down to almost this, like a fear of losing what society has given them in the sense that they've been given this much of an olive branch and they don't want to lose it. So they're no longer going against the status quo. I think it comes from a position of fear, but especially like you kind of see when the brilliant uh, Elliot Page like came out, like, oh, I like, I love them. And that was amazing. But automatically you saw this particular like again it's always a particular small minority but a vocal minority but you saw this particular vocal minority of cis lesbian women kind of going we've lost another one and it's just like what (laughs) no oh god no stop showing your transphobia (laughs) yeah put it away yeah yeah exactly we don't want that please no go away yeah like I think um kind of like to probably bring us to a close because we're coming up to over an hour now so we're going to come to our like wrapping up area even though I think we could probably talk for ages um very easy to have conversation but I kind of like to close out my podcast with kind of like three kind of questions which I think are good my three questions I'll go with them like in order so the first one because it's kind of relevant to the name of my podcast but when you hear the word philosophy what comes to mind for you like what do you think of when you hear the word philosophy Uh, (laughs) (laughs) just kind of I don't know like being like open-minded and Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's brilliant. Um, like, and that's like, like at first, like I, I had formatted the question as what does philosophy mean to you? And I'm like, no, that's a stupid question because it's only going to mean something to someone who studied philosophy. Otherwise it doesn't mean anything to any. So I'm just like, no, I'll change it slightly. But yes, no, that's a really good answer. Like it's open-mindedness because that's why I love philosophy myself is that it's taught me to have a complete open mind and to be able to kind of approach the big topics and big conversations from a open perspective like that's what I love about it so yes that is a perfect answer okay so my next question is currently what is something that is giving you joy what are you joyful for um taking nudes in my bedroom with a glass of wine (laughs) that's like my favorite activity (laughs) brilliant answer I absolutely love that and yes like it's just it's it's funny like just when you're talking about that it's like one of those things where even though I never had like I never felt ashamed about my body I never had shame I never really took news when I was a cis man like I just didn't but once I kind of like started to like embrace my more femme side and came into myself as being non-binary it's just like I'm taking naked pictures left right and center I'm just like I am loving my body like and it's just like yes it is that thing like taking naked pictures like nudes it's it's empowering because it's kind of like the more you take and especially the kind of more huh I haven't seen my body at that angle before yes I like that like (laughs) like the more it is like it teaches that empowerment thing and that's what I really do love about your business is that it is that kind of like just yeah like love yourself like that radical self-love like absolutely love that so on the topic of kind of radical self-love to bring it to like the kind of last kind of main question that I have is what's something that you're like hopeful for that's kind of giving you hope about hopefully will happen in the future when we come out the other end of this pandemic well I'm moving in with my girlfriend in three months finally because we've been together for four years long so I'm just really keeping me going at the minute and also four years in lesbian years that's like probably what 10 20 (laughs) 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 yeah it's like isn't that like you know isn't the same as almost dog years (laughs) (laughs) but no that's really wonderful that's fantastic and I am so happy that that you are having that more power to you like Mm -hmm. doing the long distance thing because I know 100% for myself even though I'm polyamorous which means that I can ethically have other partners I just know long distance no I just would not be able to do it no not like not for me and I think I just know 100% I can't have a romantic relationship if there isn't a sexual element to it I can have yeah. like a loving, strong, platonic bond. Yeah, all for it. I wouldn't be able to have that romantic love if I'm also not sexually 
with someone into someone so I just know that like if I was in a long distance thing the second it went long distance and there was no longer it would just be like we are just now long-term friends (laughs) there's no more so I'm just like I just know that about me so I just will not get into that situation so all I can say is more power to you to be able to do long distance for that amount of time and that you're finally coming out the other end of it and moving in that is fantastic We've got um, like a big neon sign that I bought my girlfriend for her birthday that says gay bar on it. And I was like, the thing that goes up in the flat the second we get there. I love <laughs> that. Like, I love that. Yeah. And I can already tell that it's like you're like flat. You're, it's just going to be like queer, like the, like a queer safe space. <laughs> it's just going to yeah, be. Yeah, 100%. There's just um, gay shit everywhere. Exactly. Almost like the party house in It's a Sin, which I just loved that in yeah. the sense that it was literally just we're just gay queer people having the best time of our lives <laughs> it's just like yes all for it <laughs> but no um I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and speaking to me for my show I had a wonderful time and I think we definitely really got into some great topics so before I let you go if you could just plug your business and kind of where your social handles where people can find you um so we're nudes by kia and we basically make um your nudes into wearable art so like t-shirts tote bags earrings key rings illustrations you name it um our instagram is just nudes by kia and our tiktok because we can't write nudes in our name is (laughs) n double zero ds by kia um classic (laughs) Um, and we kind of have like our instagram's a bit like an online community where we kind of share like sex stories and stuff so like we open up our dms and like share them and like laugh at people's situations and some of them have been really funny um and it's kind of i share like sex ed stuff so it's just kind of like a really kind of like sexual queer space fabulous so i hope uh, more people find you and support your business and support you because it deserves all the support and queer businesses deserve support so yay and thank you so so much and to all my listeners have a wonderful time me. evening oh thank you so much hello listener thank you for coming on this journey with me if you would like to be there for the next stop on this adventure then please like, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow my Instagram, which is MixBellMorrigan. That's M-X-B-E-L-M-O-R-R-I-G-A-N. And tell your friends that you too want to help make the world a better place, one conversation at a time.